Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to Believe in Betting, a Sports Garden Network production. We are your source for sports entertainment, incredible sports intelligence. And now, here's your host, Tom Barton. All right, guys, everybody, welcome in Believe in Betting. I am Tom Barton, and we are past the wildness of Wild Card Week, and we're going to get into some of that, look back real quick, and we're looking forward here to the divisional round of the playoffs. Some teams really separating themselves. Not a lot of surprises, which we will get into in the betting area, and I got some news, some stats, and there are some injuries that we have to talk to and, and really address those injuries as well. So, Let's get right into it, guys. Um, last week, I told you, coming into the wild card week, the underdogs were 15-3 and three the last four years. 15-3 and three against the spread the last four years. Well, on Saturday, 2-0 and o favorites, right? Uh, the Chiefs crushed. Yeah, the Bills went out there and crushed. Even the Rams covered. Uh, only one underdog. That's it. Just one underdog. The San Francisco 49ers, who won outright against the Dallas Cowboys. That's it. So after a 15 and three, four year stretch where the wild card teams were just, it was just money in the bank to take the underdog. Well, the favorites raised their ugly heads and the favorites and the public really had a, just a massive week, a lot of overs as well. So the public really did really well. And if you started to look at things like teasers and you started to tease down and to tease up and the public just dominated, they had a fantastic wild card weekend. Now we get a little nervous because we're going into the divisional round. You know that the books are going to put out some pretty good numbers. I, I, I Look, I think that they are very, very sharp numbers here. We're going to get into all four of those games. I want to tell you this. In the past three NFL postseasons, teams that have won their playoff game are 27-3 and three against the spread. So it, it's telling you don't worry about the points, right? I mean, what that is saying is don't worry about the points. If you think a team is going to win, well, just take them on the money line. Right. If you think a team is is not going to win, uh, they're gonna, uh, you know, they're gonna not be close. It's not gonna be like, well, they lose by a couple. No, chances are the teams that win are either gonna win outright or they're gonna win and they're gonna be able to cover the spread. Now, none of these spreads are too big. The biggest spread out there right now is six. Let me talk about all of the spreads and we'll go back into the games themselves. On Saturday, the early game, Cincinnati, Tennessee, this line opened up at about two and a half. It jumped up to three, jumped up to three and a half. It fell back to three for a little while there, guys. And now it's back to three and a half across the board where I sit today. Green Bay, San Francisco is the late game on Saturday. Opened up at four and a half, quickly jumped to five and a half. And now it is sitting at six almost everywhere. There's still a five and a half out there at BetMGM. But just about everywhere else, it's sixes across the board. As far as Sunday, early game, Tampa, Rams, well, Tampa Bay, three-point favorite. It opened up at two and a half. I don't know anybody that got two and a half right away. Quickly went up to three, but it's minus three at minus 105. So it started to come back a little bit. As a matter of fact, at win bet, you can get a minus two and a half, but you're going to be paying minus 115 for that number. And then Kansas City, Buffalo, Casey opened up as a three-point favorite. It quickly fell to two and a half. It is now one and a half at BetMGM, but you can still get some twos out there. 
Points bet still a two. Caesars is a two. A lot of money coming in on Buffalo. A lot of money coming in on Buffalo plus the points. Again, I don't understand that. Just take it on the money line if you think Buffalo is going to win. As far as the totals go, Cincinnati, Tennessee opened up at 46. It's about 47 across the board. You could get a 47 and a half in points bet, and you can still get a 46 and a half in bet MGM. Uh, the total in Green Bay and San Francisco, 47 it opened at. It's up to 47 and a half directly straight across the board. Everybody's got 47 and a half. The Rams, Tampa Bay, 48 and a half across the board with one exception being FanDuel is 48. And I had reports that WinBet actually hit 49 for a moment, but where I'm sitting right now, it's 48 and a half. Buffalo KC, it opened at 53 and a half. It got all the way up to 55 where it still remains at WinBet. It still remains there at points bet, but 54 and a half in the other book. So that's the line report. That's the totals. That is all the line movements that we've had. I do expect a couple of more lines to move and shift. Look, Cincinnati seemingly is the team that everybody kind of like is just all over, right? Everybody loves Cincinnati. A lot of money coming in on them, yet the line moved from three to three and a half after falling from three and a half down to three. I expect some late money on Cincinnati. I think that Cincinnati is the public fun team. And every year you have that kind of, that fun team, that team that the public wants to root for. They have the superstar in Joe Burrow. They have a lot of names. They have the 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 fun team to root for because they haven't won a playoff game in 31 years before last week. The Bengals, they're 0-7 all-time in road playoff games. 0-9 all-time postseason games away from Cincinnati. I mean, you're looking at this and you're just going, yeah, they, they might be the fun team. So I think if you're betting Tennessee, you might still be able to get a three just later on in the week. Here's a couple of things to think about with this Tennessee game. Number one, Derrick Henry is coming back. Okay, we know that. He's going to come back in what capacity, though? Look, he was willing to come back and ready to come back. They were talking about it in week 17, and then he was willing and ready to come back uh, the last week of the season, and they kind of sat him out. Now, because of the bye week, he's had three extra weeks to kind of rest up. I don't think they're throwing him in there for 25 carries. But I also don't think Derrick Henry is the regular guy that we all look at and we go a regular running back. It wouldn't shock me if they did. It wouldn't shock me if Vrabel said, you know what, I I really don't care. I'm going to run him into the ground here. I'm going to run him all day long. And as long as he is effective, I think they might. Now, I've mentioned multiple times over the last, uh, you know, second half of the season here that the Cincinnati Bengals run defense for a while there was number four overall. Well, their run defense has been pretty putrid of late. Over the last month of the season, they're in the bottom 15 in the league. So maybe this is that kind of method. But let's also remember, A.J. Brown had time to get well. And you look at the the offense that was running decently. They're not going to be expected to do too much. And weirdly, this is a defensive kind of game for the Tennessee Titans. But let's go back to the offensive side of the ball because there are some things that fell into place that the public doesn't pay attention to, but as sports bettors, we certainly need to. The Bengals place their defensive tackle. Uh, look, this is a tremendous defensive tackle, uh, and, and and I can say his name, and I'll probably brutalize it, even though I've practiced saying <laughs> Angunjambi, right? Larry Angunjambi. He, he's fantastic. 16 regular season games. He had a career high in seven sacks. He led the team with 12 tackles for losses. He is a massive hole in the middle of that defense now that they have to make up for him. They also are dealing with injuries to Mike Daniels' defensive tackle. They are also dealing with a lot of problems up front because even defensive end Trey Hendrickson, he's injured. 
So if Cincinnati is all beat up, all up front, you don't think that they're going to run Derrick Henry, even if he's not ready to be run like that? I certainly do. I think they're going to run him and run him and run him until he shows he's ineffective. And even then, they still might run him. So I'm starting to look at this game as as that kind of contest, a slow it down kind of game. Even if Cincinnati wants to throw it all over the field, even if Cincinnati wants to go crazy and bombs away, Tennessee is going to try to slow it down. I can't imagine that Tennessee doesn't feed Derrick Henry. And listen, maybe it's not just Henry because Foreman's looked pretty good lately as well. Green Bay, San Francisco, uh, the same old story. Look, Aaron Rodgers doesn't lose very often in Lambeau. But he does choke in the playoffs. And you can sit back and argue with me, Green Bay fans, that it's the defense's fault, it's this fault, it's that fault. Coming into the playoffs this year, Aaron Rodgers has more interceptions than he does touchdown passes when you're talking about uh, more turnovers than touchdown passes because he does fumble the ball a lot as well when you're talking about uh, you know the NFC championship game. But usually in this round, in the divisional round, he does play well. He is healthy. But the team is also as healthy as we see. Now, I know Aaron Jones came out with an injury this week, but I don't think that that's too much of a, a big deal because you do have A.J. Dillon, and that's something that we have to look at. They're looking at 20-degree temperatures. They're looking at potential snow. They're looking at a nasty situation. This is no longer the Aaron Rodgers team that just has to go deep all the time. They can run it with a one-two punch. And against San Francisco, you, you want to pass the ball because their secondary is susceptible to the big play. But you open that up by running. In San Francisco, they will put pressure on Aaron Rodgers. And San Francisco can certainly get after the passer. But this is also a case where San Francisco also is susceptible to the big play. But you open that up and you bring people in and you bring that safety in by two steps by running the ball effectively. And that's something that San Francisco has to make sure that Green Bay doesn't do. Green Bay is going to try to run the ball here. I know it's Aaron Rodgers. I know it's Lamboa. He's going to have, he's going to end with good numbers, but I think that this is an A.J. Dillon and an Aaron Jones type of game to control the ball and control the clock. Very similar to what I believe about Cincinnati and Tennessee. You look at the San Francisco side of things and you go, okay, look, they have nightmare matchup problems. And Green Bay's defense has been terrible lately. Look, Green Bay's defense is just not good lately. And you look at the matchup problems of Debo Samuel, we understand he went off again against Dallas. And George Kittle, even though he didn't have a big impact, he's somebody you have got to spy on. And then if Eli Mitchell can run the ball, I'm not counting San Francisco out at all. And I do see the line rising, but it takes a lot for me to go against something that I know. I do not like Aaron Rodgers. I know that he chokes in the playoffs, but Aaron Rodgers at home in the divisional round is just something that I know. I know he's going to have a good game. The question is, can San Francisco keep pace? This is a low total for me, and I know that the snow is in the forecast, and maybe it's going to get gross, and I, I understand all of that. But this seems like a low total for me. This seems like a game where if San Francisco plays its elite game, Green Bay's still scoring into the mid-20s. Right? I mean, I don't think that Green Bay's not scoring 24 points here. So it's either Green Bay going to go crazy. How much do you believe in San Francisco? Well, I, I, Green Bay's defense is pretty bad. Can I see both these teams getting to 24? Yeah, absolutely. That doesn't mean I see an overtime game or a, a close, tight game all the way through. But I think both of them are going to do some scoring here. And I think that the number has risen up a little bit because of that. And I expect that to continue to rise. Let's go to Sunday. 
Tom Brady against the Rams. I mean, and that's how it's being built, right? Uh, I mean, it's Tom Brady against the Rams. Now, the Rams, they have a little success. They've beaten the Bucs each of the last two seasons. The Bucs were talking about a, a season where they go undefeated. That was the last thing on Tom's ledger. And in week three, that was the big circled matchup. Well, it was a circled matchup for the Bucs. They wanted to go undefeated. Brady wanted that win. And the Rams beat him. And they beat him solidly. And it was a game where it, I mean, it was a massive, fun, high-scoring game. 34-24 win. Brady threw 55 times for 432. Stafford threw 38 times for 343 and four touchdowns. That was massive. I don't think that either team want to get into that anymore. I think that the Rams want to utilize Cam Akers, which we saw last week, and try to slow down that run, that that uh, Tom Brady passing attack by running the ball. And you you could start to believe in Matthew Stafford, but then there comes a point of, do you believe that Matthew Stafford's going on the road and beating Tom Brady? Well, if he's got a good defense and a running game, maybe. So I do believe that both of these coaches are going to try to do that. Look, but Brady is going to throw it all over the field. We know that. But we also understand that Leonard Fournette's probably coming back here. When Leonard Fournette was in there, he was carrying the load. Tristan Wirf's injury is something to watch, okay? That could be a big-time impact game there. You, you worry about that. You start to also look at this and you go, okay, this is a Tampa Bay defense that allowed seven receptions. That's the second most, 46 yards receiving, two running backs. So you can't run on them, but maybe flipping it out and getting them out in space. Now, I don't think Sonny Michelle is going to be that guy, but Cam Akers certainly might be. This is a spot where you have to utilize that, that position and that kind of player, and you get him out in space and try to create something. You can go deep on Tampa Bay. You can't run on them. You can go deep. But in order to go deep on them, you're going to get some uh, need some time. Well, Tampa Bay is real interesting, uh, interesting when they pull out their blitzes because they don't blitz all that often. But when they do blitz and they start to blitz in that kind of capacity, you can get to them. I think both of these offensive lines are weakened, especially if, look, the Rams' offensive line is not that good to begin with. And if Tristan Wirth is out for the Buccaneers, who have a great offensive line, if he's out, all of a sudden, I see both of these quarterbacks struggling, both of these quarterbacks potentially being on the ground way more than their teams want. All right, let's go to Bills, Chiefs. Best game of the day by far, best game of the weekend by far, best game of the playoffs, very, very likely. And, you know, if you gave me this for the Super Bowl, I know it can't happen, but if you gave me this for the Super Bowl, I'm going, this is a great Super Bowl. Josh Allen is ascending into we are, you know, the premier team and I am the premier quarterback kind of situation. We've seen this happen with Aaron Rodgers over the years. We've seen this happen with Patrick Mahomes just very recently. We see this happen time after time where a quarterback just has that kind of season. The team believes in him that much and they become that team and he becomes that guy. Well, he might just be that guy. Playoff Pat, Patrick Mahomes might be that guy as well. But we've already anointed him. He's 6-1 with 20 touchdowns and one interceptions in seven AFC playoff games. Guys, Let's not overlook what he does and the dominance that he has in the AFC playoffs. It's a difference when you're going into the Super Bowl and you pull out his Super Bowl numbers where he has not looked like playoff Patrick, but in the AFC, especially in the AFC at home, Patrick Mahomes is absolutely phenomenal. But he wasn't when the Bills routed Kansas City at Arrowhead 38-20 in Week 5. Josh Allen stole the show there with 315 yards and three touchdowns. Buffalo averaged 21 yards per reception in that game. The Chiefs couldn't run the football. The Chiefs couldn't do anything on the ground. The Chiefs had to go deep or nothing, and the Bills were salivating at that. 
what you have to look at with this game, because what Josh Allen did last week was just phenomenal. Otherworldly, when you're talking about he went out there and beat a Belichick defense and the way that he beat them. It was the perfect game, and literally and figuratively, and the only NFL game with a perfect, perfect game. They scored on every single possession other than kneel downs. It was the perfect game and the perfect offensive scheme. Do you believe that the Bills are that team? That they turned a corner, they had you know everything in sight, they were able to completely and utterly dissect the number one defense in the league in most categories, a Bill Belichick playoff team. They were able to do that against a team that has owned them year after year, do you believe in that or do you believe the familiarity and just the revenge angle and just the ownership of this is the Patriots? Was that really the driving force? Because if you believe they got that up for the Patriots, their arch rival, the team that's owned them for decades and decades, the Bill Belichick team, if you believe that that is the reason that they won, well, you're all over the Chiefs here. But you can't sit back, and I know how good the Chiefs looked, Okay, but you can't sit back and tell me that if you watch that Buffalo game and what we perceive to be the Bills moving into that game and what we perceive to be the Patriots moving into that game and you walk out of that game with anything but just sheer, oh my goodness, this team is a Super Bowl team, then you're lying to yourself. This Buffalo Bills team on paper is just as good as Kansas City. Position by position, they can hold a candle in just about every aspect. Offense, yeah, you give a slight nod to KC, but not if Allen is playing the way that Allen is playing. And Allen has that X factor of the rushing yards. You know, I put it up at, uh, you know, my personal uh, Twitter account that the Josh Allen rushing yards, when it gets cold, he actually rushes for 13 yards more on average, 54 yards on average in cold weather. That is that X factor that kind of, you know, takes away the idea of, well, you know what, all they do is pass. By the way, Devin Singletary also runs. So I'll give a check mark to KC's offense, but barely, but barely. I, I know a lot of people will argue that, but barely. KC's defense, well, it, it's worlds different. And I know that KC went through a time where they looked good defensively, but they've given up 24 or more points in you know most of their games over the last month or so. I will give this to the Bills. Handedly, they have the much better defense. You look at coaching. Yeah, Andy Reid's got a Super Bowl. Andy Reid's gone to a couple of Super Bowls. Andy Reid's a Hall of Famer. But what McDermott is doing and Brian Dable is doing, you have to look at that and go, wow, you know, it is something impressive. So I don't think that that is a massive difference. And then Kansas City, you know, you get the home field advantage, sure. I think that Kansas City is a slightly better team. I think that this number is exactly where it needs to be. But it wouldn't shock me to see the Bills not only win, but win pretty handedly here. This is a spot where I do believe that Kansas City plays well. I do believe that the Kansas City Chiefs are a very good team, certainly can represent the Super Bowl. But I'm also a believer in the Buffalo Bills. And I believe that this is going to be your Super Bowl winner. Whoever comes out of this game, I think wins the Super Bowl. I know that Brady and Rodgers have a problem with what I said, what I'm saying, right? I know that Stafford is gonna, you know, argue it as well. I get it. But guys, I think the winner of the Super Bowl is coming out of this game. So we get a pre-Super Bowl before the Super Bowl. All right, guys, enjoy the divisional round. Check in next week. We'll preview uh, the AFC, NFC Championship games. All that and more next week on Believe in Betting.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.